Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello and welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt and Tiffany Pearsall is on today. Hey. There she is. Hey. Um, <laughs> we watching baby. The Sopranos. Hey. <laughs> we just we just restarted watching The Sopranos. I've never oh, watched God. it. I haven't either and I won't it's because It's good. No. Oh, you won't. Mob stuff won't freaks you? me out. Mob stuff oh. freaks me out. Um mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so I can't do that. Well, forget um, I said it at all. Right. Do you want to do any Kate Bush impressions while we're... Mm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there it was. Okay. <laughs> Explanation. Last night when we Explanation. were texting, Tiffany was sending me Kate Bush videos. Because Kate Bush rules. <laughs> the only one that I know is her Wuthering Heights. And I like the... Wuthering, Wuthering, Wuthering Heights. <laughs> and while that video is a trip... I prefer huh? the Pat Benatar version of Weather- Weathering Heights. Oh. I can't. I don't know. I guess I need to try harder about Kate Bush. That's what I said about Bjork, too. But I like her. So, uh, Kate Bush has to hit you at just the right time. Yeah. Like midnight and, on a Wednesday. Yeah. Like midnight <laughs> on a Wednesday. And you have to realize that she did everything herself yeah. at like 16. Oh. Weathering Heights. She did the whole video herself. She did all. She did all the music herself. Yeah, as like a sixteen-year-old, and that's incredible. That's impressive. Yeah, she made a music video. Like yeah. what? Six? Like nowadays, you're like, oh yeah, we could put it on YouTube. <laughs> but in what was it like eighty-three, eighty-four? Something like that. Oh, probably earlier than that. That's it's, incredible. Yeah. Well, probably no one tuned in to hear. Let's argue about Kate Bush. Um, so we'll save the rest of that Today's for later. Today's quote is not about Kate It's not Bush. Kate Bush. I just wanted to hear Tiffany's impression. <laughs> Every time I agree with you, though, today, Kate Bush is coming out. Beautiful. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, deal. Challenge accepted. You're going to agree with me so much this episode. Um, so we're going to do a couple episodes about a Lillian Katz article. And what? it's a different we're one gonna this time. We're going to talk about Lillian Katz. I know, right? We're going to go a different direction and do a different Lillian Katz article. So it's not the stages of teacher development one. This one's called Distinctions Between Academic and Intellectual Goals for Young Children. And it was published in Child Care Information Exchange. Um, I don't know when. December 2015. Yeah. And to quote yep. Tiffany, that is a great goddamn article. <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> oh, it really is. So the quote that we're going to do in this episode from that article is, children of very low income families may not have been read to or have held a pencil at home, but I suggest that it's a good idea to assume that they too have lively minds. Yeah. Mm, for one, I just love 
the phrase lively minds. I think yeah. that changes the conversation just to use those words instead of readiness or curriculum or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Let's talk about children's yeah. lively minds. Children have lively minds. Um, do we need to do some background about this article, sure. academic versus intellectual? Sure. What do you want to say? Um, uh, maybe just like a little article summary. Mm. Article summary. Well, yeah. um, the idea is that we are focusing too much on, in our discussion of readiness, we're focusing yeah. too much on very specific academic skills, primarily um, around letters and numbers. Mm -hmm. And we are therefore losing focus on the wider range of intellectual skills that are necessary um, to be successful in school and in life. Yeah. And just to do children justice. Yeah. Um, would you say that's a fair sum, uh, I think that's a, sum that's up? A do you agree sum with up. that summary? I agree. I agree with that summary. I would say... Mm, yes <laughs> that's the title of this episode now <laughs> it's just gonna be mm, yes <laughs> um okay so let's talk about what do we think the difference is between academic and intellectual skills first like i kind of uh, talked about academic already that, yeah. that focus on the stuff that children can memorize and and spit back out Right. Us. Um, intellectual here um, emphasize, according to the article, emphasizes mm -hmm. reasoning, hypothesizing, predicting, and the quest for understanding and conjecturing, as well as the development and analysis of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, so, can we talk for a second about how this fits in with the current national obsession with STEM? Uh, yeah. <laughs> So STEM is what science, technology, science. engineering, and math. Yeah, sometimes there's sometimes an A they for throw art. A in if they're trying to make a point. Yeah. <laughs> so STEM. <laughs> Back to STEM. Um, Back to STEM. What I, STEM is what I you... see that frustrates yeah. me about STEM. Like I have no problem with um, giving children opportunities to experience you know science and technology and engineering and math but um what i see so often is it's more about pleasing the adults and what the adults ideas are about these things and so it becomes another academic focus that's not being maybe not appropriate for the age of children we're working with but if we instead of talking about stem talked about um, oh, where are those intellectual goals? The list of things. Reasoning, hypothesizing, predicting, understanding. And yeah. That... And plan for those kinds of experiences. They'd get all the STEM stuff we want them to have. Mm -hmm. But it would be... Mm, yes. More child-centered. <laughs> you know what I mean? But maybe, you, maybe yeah. you have a different experience with how STEM is being offered or talked about. Or... Um, I just... I think that the whole point of the STEM focus is to create the next generation of innovators. Mm -hmm. And right. you can't create innovators by teaching them how to do things inside of a box. Right. It's not just about building robots. 
Yes, That's exactly. Oh my gosh, that is such a great analogy. Because <laughs> it's not just about building robots. It's about like, how do you invent the next robot? Right. Um, or And I like how there are things that I really like about the STEM push, though, uh-huh. in that um, it forces teachers to integrate curriculum in a different way. Okay. So when you think about STEM... Um, from my experience in a grade school level, that means that teachers are thinking about how do I bring in the writing? How do I bring in the math? How do I make everything? It's like STEM is the actualization of everything else that they've learned. Mm. And that to me is cool. Right, right. I Let's have... actually use all these things that we've, all these skills that we've taught you. Let's actually use them. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool to me. Yeah. And I mean, I think in early childhood, mm-hmm. play is STEM. If we're letting them play and oh my they're gosh, engaged yeah. and it's, you know, then they're doing all of those kinds of skills and they're learning yeah. about inventing and creating and problem solving and um, that kind of stuff. I guess what my my only hang up with, with STEM is one that it's become a buzzword and oh, I yeah. have an automatic negative reaction to buzzwords in the field. Um, or trends, even if I agree in principle, once it becomes something that shows up in every grant application and fills every conference program um, and shows up in all the parent literature at every child care program, then I get a little, mm, um, but I I think it's another area and readiness is another, is, is this fits into this conversation about readiness and intellectual versus academic skills. Yeah, we 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 don't as a field always stop and think about what does this mean in terms of child development. We think how can we show customers and funders that we do this thing, and, yeah. and so it gets a little backwards to me. <clears throat> yes, but I'm a big fan of intellectual skills. <laughs> me too. <laughs> to bring it back to the article. <laughs> Bringing it back around. Uh, so here's an interesting thing. Um, it better be. <laughs> you and I started reading a book that made you very mad. Oh, my God. So mad. By Mr. Hirsch Jr. Yeah. Ed Hirsch Jr. I, uh, I see it across the room for me here. It might be E.D. Hirsch. Like, it might be initials. E- oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. E.D. Yep, that makes mm-hmm. more sense. Um. And he is philosophically directly opposed to us. Uh Uh-huh. And something that he mentioned in there uh, that to me speaks to this academic versus intellectual divide Uh is that um, if you believe in the type of education that is you have to know these certain skills to be an adult and a functioning member of society, mm-hmm. then teaching intellectual skills, it's like you can't teach that. That's what he's saying? Right, that's what he's saying, is that mm-hmm. you can't teach <clears throat> hypothesizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's too nebulous. Yeah, but we can How teach you... concrete flashcard skills. Yes. And yes. That's, all pe- that's all these poor kids need. <clears throat> yes. That's, what... that's so... how you... That's how you, uh, this comes back to the quote. Yeah. Uh, from his perspective, that's how you uh, 
fill that gap. Mm-hmm. Is what is that called? The, kill. the word gap the, is one of the, the gaps. The word gap is one of the gaps, um, but skill gap. That, I mean, skill, there's yeah, that. Of... that um, yeah. yeah. So just to yell about that book for a minute. Yeah. Like three pages well, in. Why, why knowledge matters. Why knowledge matters. Yeah. Um, I'm so mad about it. I can't even take it back to the library because I don't want to touch it. um anyway like three pages in he put developmentally appropriate in quotes and i was Um, like "Mm -mm 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 -mm." but then like i wasn't even out of the introduction and he was talking about how we need to just drill poor kids because it's the only way they're going to catch up with the rest of us and uh oh that just makes me mad yeah but it goes i mean it does come back to the quote oh what were you gonna say uh it may to me the thing it wasn't making me mad because the things he was saying I was like but what about this and mm-hmm. what about this like it wasn't just um I don't know it felt like I was having a conversation with him about it oh well in my head I think you and I, was I like well respond differently <laughs> to reading things we disagree with uh, <laughs> you have a much more <laughs> calm and level response to it than I do um Oh, what was I just going to say? I just, I felt like, okay, so he's got a PhD in like education something. Um, he's he's a title, title something teacher, right? Yeah. But That's so, his... so much of what he was. Title one was his yeah, background? Yeah. So much of what he was presenting was not in line with child development. And it was pandering to conventional wisdom and what people already think, you know, what the layperson thinks. Oh, hi, baby. Yeah. Hi, baby. <laughs> um, and I, that's hard for me when someone, you know, has achieved that level of having the pe- the paper or whatever, that level yeah. of education yeah. and still persists in ignoring. Yeah. I don't know. You know I what agree. I mean. You know yeah, what I, I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, so. It, oh. I don't. Talking more about this book. I know that that's not what this quote is about, but <laughs> I I found it really interesting to read something from a philosophy that was so opposed to mine. Mm-hmm. Because there were certain things that I read in there that I was like, I see how you could see that, but I just don't believe it. Right. And it really made me question how much of... Um, what I educationally preach, as Uh it were, is belief and how much is science Mm -hmm. and how much of it can ever be determined by science. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of goes back to... Even if you're like, here's the research that backs it up. Yeah, but like, how how is that research conducted? Yeah. Because no matter what, you have the bias of your philosophy at hand. Yeah, we already did this episode. I know. I just love talking about it so much. I just love it. I know. I know. Um, so I want to go back to the quote for a minute because I want okay, to talk okay. about. Bring us back. Circle yeah, me back. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, is she, what Lillian Katz says is children of very low income families may not have been read to or have held a pencil at home. And maybe people aren't familiar with where that's coming from, but that's one of the big readiness concerns that's that's feeding this um drive for national universal pre-k 
um, feeds into a lot of the Head Start <laughs> programming. I'm laughing because Tiffany's baby is cute, if anyone's wondering. I'm not laughing. He's really him. cute. <laughs> um, the idea that these poor, neglected, low-income kids aren't hearing enough words by the time they're five. So we've got to drill words into their head rather than just having natural conversations and rich environments and things to talk and ask and look at. Um, yeah. We're, we're really focusing on the academic side of that. And the other thing I hear a lot from kindergarten teachers is how terrible it is that they've got children coming to the school in the fall for a beginning of a year who've never held a pencil. They don't um, know how to hold a pencil. Yeah. And how inconvenient that is um, for the- <laughs> For them to have to then deal with these children. Um, and so what I think Lillian Katz was saying with the next piece, um, but I suggest that it's a good idea to assume that they too have lively minds. I think she's she's saying we get so focused on the words they don't have and the pencil they've never held that we ignore the entirety of the rest of their learning. Yeah. And and that is an injustice to those children. If we really think that they're in a position of, you know, coming in, um, oh, words are failing me, with some sort of deficit. Yeah. Um, then, then we're already. We're already judging them in a yeah, way. Yeah. And their parents. And, yeah. Um, and here's, here's what I do think the deficit is. Uh-huh. If a child comes in and they can't hold a pencil and they've never been read to at home, then they don't value the institution that is school at that point. Uh-huh. Even if they... Even and you're not saying that as a criticism. You're not like, oh, no. they, they're so disrespectful. They don't value us. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah no. I'm, I'm just saying, like, the disadvantage is so much greater than just you can't hold a pencil and you mm-hmm. don't have these... Right. The disadvantage is that now you're in this environment where other kids who come in, who have been read to, who have mm-hmm. had these skills, their parents inherently value this institution in a way uh-huh. that even if your parents do on paper value it, they haven't um, modeled it for you. Uh-huh. And so the disadvantage is more than just not having the language or whatever. Right. Right. It's it's that. Uh, am I making sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is, to... and is it a disadvantage? Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on on what I value as the teacher. Yeah. Whether I see that as a disadvantage or not, I could see it as a disadvantage that I have to fix, and so that's going to slow me down, and I'm going to have to spend more time on that than I want to. Or I can see it as this is what this child needs from me, and that's my job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, I'd venture to say you're going to like your job better if you go with that second approach. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're going to be less stressed out about things if you're just looking at it that way. Um, I mean, other than just that stress we all feel to do the best and to help everybody. Right. That, that responsibility. Yeah. Guy agrees. He does, I heard. He's so smart. <laughs> Sounded just like Kate Bush. <laughs> yes. Wow, that was him that just said that. That was good. <laughs> that was really good. Um, so I just had another thought. What was it? Well, I, I've also 
So, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm coming back to this intellectual mm-hmm. versus academic. So there's this talk of disadvantage, but when you think about intellectual goals, that is such a different skill set. Uh-huh. And there's no way to assess it. Right. Is there? Would somebody... Could it's you assess that? Not as easily as you can assess the academics, you know, the letters and numbers right. and shapes yeah. and colors. Um, yeah. I think if you were to try to assess those more sort of abstract intellectual skills, you have to observe really closely while they're engaged in play, and it's not a quiz that you give them. Um, so it's it's a slower assessment process. I think it still could be... I guess measured it's to some not extent. As, it's not as data driven as the right. academic. Right. And right now education is so data driven. Right. They want to make it such a science. Uh-huh. Which I think is fair. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I I yeah, get I that know. like you want to you want to show measurable growth. You want that validation that you're making a difference that like you mm-hmm. as a teacher are doing something and you as a school are a better school you want to like assess that you're growing and moving in the right direction so i I agree in part that you do want to be able to measure and demonstrate some forward movement but i think that still has to be individualized to be valuable Um, agree so so again that's a slower process it's a lot more time for the adult, the teacher, to put in. Um, it's a harder product for people to sell, like the people who are making the assessment tools and the standardized tests. They're making a lot of money off of us thinking that that's the stuff that matters. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's much harder for them uh, to make money. Yeah. If we're talking about a slower, broader, more abstract assessment process. Yeah. Hmm. I know I've seen something, too, and I'm trying to think about, think where I saw it, but um, sort of debunking the idea of the word gap being as big a deal as we think it is. Like that idea that low-income children have only heard 5,000, and I'm pulling numbers out of the air, 5,000 words by the time they start kindergarten, but... The others are hearing 10,000 words, and that's why they're doing better in school or whatever. And I think that's too simple a conclusion to draw. There's probably lots of other factors in the lives of those children who are only hearing 5,000 words. Yes. That affect things. Like, you know, if there's one parent who's working two jobs and it's stressful all the time and everybody's always tired and you never know where you're sleeping that night or whatever... Um, yeah, that's probably contributing more to things than how many words they've heard. And the, so then the answer to that is not to teach them more words. Teach them more words. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I think this also speaks to the greater issue that every child comes to kindergarten with a skill set. Mm-hmm. It is just maybe not the skill set you're looking for. Right. So the child who is in a constant state of stress and um, doesn't know where they're sleeping each night and maybe doesn't have as many words. Mm-hmm. Think about all the... the uh, yeah, guys. 
He feels Um, bad for those kids. Yeah, he feels bad for those kids, but I'm sure they have a whole different set of coping mechanisms. Oh, right. I'm sure they have some pretty intense problem-solving skills. Like, they're bringing things to the table, and that, that to me, is my... Not that I have an issue with the word gap situation. I don't... But, like, that's... I'm all for children hearing more vocabulary. Yes, and, yes. And being, you know, given new new things to think about is how we do it. Yeah. That I take issue with. Um, but that's, that's the greater issue at hand for me is that every child comes into your classroom with a skill set. Right. Is it the skill set that you value mm-hmm. is the greater issue. Yeah. And that's why I like this looking intellectual goals over academic goals. Right. Because it, it forces you to look at the whole child. Mm-hmm. And it forces you to think about what skills they have besides these neat and tidy measurable skills. Right. Who are you as a child? <laughs> Guy has and an answer. Here's, here's more that I have to say about the um, words thing. Yeah. I think it is valuable to look for things that or I guess measurable outcomes that speak to like an indicator species is how I think about it Uh from my biology background. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Meaning that there are certain things like the canary in the coal mine, right? Uh You want to be able to say, oh, this kid might need extra support. Uh This kid might not value school as an institution Uh because not from any fault of anyone's, but just because of how... And the conditions that they it's were raised in. It's not been part of their experience yet. Yeah, it's not yeah. been part of their experience. Exactly. Um, so knowing that going forward, uh-huh. how can I help them? Uh, how can I help them best and how can I teach them best? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want to I take a minute. Ooh. <laughs> now that really did sound like Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will you, can you rant for a second while I set him on the ground? Sure. And kick the dog off of sure. his He's sleeping on all of Oh, my gosh. Um, so I think that this can be taken beyond just the conversation about kindergarten readiness and, and take it back around to something that I also um, uh, think is, uh, I'll just say, a mistake that we make in child care programs um, in settings where... <laughs> in childcare settings where children are moving from one age group classroom to another age group classroom, like they move from infants to toddlers and toddlers to twos and twos to threes or whatever. Um, we can take this idea to those transitions too, because I've been in lots of programs where um, when a toddler is getting ready or when an infant's getting ready to move into a toddler room and we know that's coming, we start getting them ready to be a toddler and that means, you know, maybe sleeping on a cot instead of the crib and using a sippy cup instead of a bottle and um, that kind of stuff. Instead of making the room ready for the child that's coming to you, we feel like we need to make kids ready for the room we're sending them to. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I think yep. that kind of connects to this quote, too, in a on a different level. But still, just focusing on the children we have and what they're yes. doing and what their needs are. Instead of the room that we have or the program that we have and making kids fit that. Yes. 
Hmm. Oh my goodness. That's a hard sell though, because that's really part of childcare culture that getting them ready for the next room. Why? Um, cause that's it's the way we've of always all- done it. <laughs> it's the way we've always done it. And it's hard to stop doing things the way you've always done it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. That's what mm. I say. Uh, so what else? What else? I like this article a lot because it um, it doesn't put this academic versus soft skills argument mm-hmm. as the forefront. It puts it as academic versus intellectual. Right. I'm a uh, big believer that language affects how we think about things and how we act about things. And I yeah. think framing this in terms of academic versus intellectual is going to be more effective than yeah. academic versus soft skills or executive yeah. function even uh, yeah. or approaches to learning and some of those other terms that we've, that I've heard and have used and, and yeah. advocated for, but thinking Our... about it in terms of academic versus intellectual was really helpful for me. Yeah. Because those aren't diametrically opposed either. Right. right. It, and it's ac- not a battle. This... <laughs> yeah. And there's this, I mean, I don't think are soft skills the same as intellectual goals. Are those two words for the same things? Um, I think there's some overlap, but soft skills okay. would also probably include the social and emotional development. Yeah, and, and I think that that didn't so much. Yeah, that's still um, valuable, still important. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but I think you lose people in that academic versus soft skill argument because uh-huh. suddenly you're saying that maybe academic shouldn't be there right. and that only social skills matter right when that's not what you're actually arguing but just from the language just like you said yeah um it it frames it as academic versus mm-hmm. and this academic versus intellectual discussion that venn diagram overlaps so much that it forces you to actually think about each thing mm-hmm. i'm just looking at the recording for a minute it took you 29 minutes to work Venn diagram into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, every yeah. time. I don't yeah. even know I'm doing it. It just happened. That's how my brain works. Uh, but that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, I'm laughing about your Venn diagram, but that really is a good way of looking at it. Um, you know, there's some overlap and there's some separate stuff. And yeah, what do we do with and it all is, is the important that, question. And that to me is the, where it gets interesting as educators. Mm-hmm. D- like knowing that they overlap and discussing how that overlap is valuable and when is a good time for each. Mm-hmm. Like knowing that there's overlap forces that discussion. Yeah. Whereas when you talk about academic versus soft skills, even though you and I know that there's overlap there, yeah, the instant response is like, oh, nope, these two things, right? They run parallel for some reason. Yeah, um, it's an automatic ne- negative response to the words that we've used, not so yeah. much the idea that we're talking about. I think, and I, you know, the title of the article is distinctions between academic and intellectual goals, not the case for intellectual goals or the case against academic skills. It's really just a call to to be mindful and intentional and not forget that there's more to it. Yeah. Than letters, numbers and and shapes. So true. And Lillian even says the question here is not whether academic skills matter, 
Rather, it is when does their acquisition matter? Uh-huh. Which I think is really interesting. So right. do you have to have the intellectual base before you can value the academic skill? And uh-huh. she's saying yes. Right. You have to be curious about how to cut this piece of paper before you want the skill of scissor cutting. Right. So so I think, too, then, then that goes to the conversation about you know, children aren't going to learn a skill so they're motivated to learn that skill. I think that turns some people off too. But the way you just said it, you know, or they, they have to have some curiosity about cutting before cutting mm-hmm. is going to be valuable to them. It's just mm-hmm. another way of phrasing that same idea that maybe gets us around that negative reaction we have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing. I don't think it's the teacher's job to forcibly or artificially build that curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think you can set up an ideal environment. Mm-hmm. You can suggest things, but at the end of the day, that kid has to be curious and motivated for it to happen, or it's just not right. going to happen. Right. We're not going to carve out 20 minutes in the day to teach curiosity or to have curiosity right? time. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. I want to do a schedule like that now. Hold on. <laughs> Curiosity time. I got to write that down. It's where I ask you larger philosophical questions and we ponder them. Yes. <laughs> Out loud to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's such – there's just a lot in this article. We have to I, do, ev- we I have want to unpack to every episode. single sentence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the life of the mind. Yeah. I'm looking at the article now. Sorry. Yeah, Let's me too. There's more stuff I wanted to get to, but I think, I mean, that really, um, uncovered Thanks. most of what I wanted to get to in that quote. Let's see. I think it speaks to, to the role that our assumptions play as teachers um, because if we're assuming, I just, I guess I like the word, I like that she included the word assume in this, you know, it's a good idea to assume that they have lively minds. We're assuming things about children, whether we realize it or not. Yeah. And maybe stopping to take some time to think about what our assumptions are is a valuable piece of reflecting that we could do. That's not always comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but if our assumption is that they're empty pictures that we just need to pour knowledge into, yeah, we're going to approach, slate. yeah, we're going to approach, <laughs> approach our work very differently than if we assume they have a lively mind, um, that's already working and engaged and curious and what can we offer them then? Yes. To build that. Ooh, I want to, I want to put that quote like on the door to my classroom what one this is one of the the lively mind oh okay <laughs> the one we're talking about yes <laughs> i thought it was something specifically i'd said and i was like nothing i just said is smooth enough to go <laughs> <laughs> on a classroom door you're gonna have to polish it up a little bit <laughs> um uh... so what are your last your final closing thoughts about this Final closing thoughts. Uh, 
thinking about intellectual skills. That's not the right word, right? Intellectual goals. goals. Yeah, we have been saying skills through the while well, we're talking, but the article really talks about goals. Because that's the, that's how you could test it, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, you have to have your set goal. a goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, it just is a great way to think about life. <laughs> yeah, not just in early Put childhood. Put that on your yeah. classroom go- door. <laughs> it's is, a great way to think about life. <laughs> this is a great way to think about life. Uh-huh. Tiffany Pearsall. <laughs> ready to rock all right all right all right well i'm excited to do another quote from this article um yeah me so too. we'll have that one coming soon if you guys are also excited about hearing it <laughs> <laughs> um but i think we'll wrap this one up so thank you guys for listening thank you tiffany for being on again and we'll see you yeah. that's the show <laughs> now go get your nerd on has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.